0: Welcome to the Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast, a podcast created to inform patients, families, and caregivers about important health transformation topics. Since the 2001 Crossing the Quality Chasm Report by the Institute of Medicine, our nation's healthcare system has recognized its need to improve quality of care by way of six important aims that make healthcare safe, efficient, effective patient-centered, timely, and equitable. But we cannot hope to cross this chasm and achieve these aims until we make fundamental changes to the whole healthcare system. All levels of this work require dramatic improvements from the patient's experience. So this podcast is dedicated to you, the voices' most underutilized resource in healthcare, our patients' voices. Welcome, and we hope you enjoy... The Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast.
1: Hi, I'm Dr. Natasha Washington, President and Founder of ATW Health Solutions and sponsor for the Patient Partner Innovation Community. Follow the PPIC community online at atwhealth.com. We are very excited to have you tuning in to our Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast today. I am Desiree Collins-Bradley, and I'll be your host today. And we are really, really excited to have an extra special guest. Her name is Precious McCowan. Welcome, Precious. Hello, Desiree. Thanks for having me. Yes, and we're going to talk about Precious is a national PFE, which is Person Family Engagement Champion. And she has an amazing story to share with you guys. So, Precious, why don't you get started and tell us a little bit about how you started in-person and family engagement, I know that you work extensively with the ESRD Network. So, tell us tell us a little bit about how you got started with the ESRD Network and how you were non-activated but then catapulted into major activation.
2: Yes, thanks for asking that question, Desiree. I got started with the um, ESRD Network 14 of Texas back in 2015. It started with me being a um, dialysis facility patient representative in 2014, and that is where I kind of served as the liaison between the um, dialysis staff and the dialysis patient. There, I kind of helped staff, you know, educate patients about dialysis, how to cope on dialysis, managing their, um, their dialysis treatments. And understanding what dialysis really is. And so um, from there, I was like, hey, I want to do more. So that's how I became a part <laughs> of the uh, Network 14 Patient Advisory um, Council. And you asked me to talk about my journey as an, um non-activated patient. Mm-hmm. Um, at the age of nine, I was diagnosed with juvenile diabetes. At the beginning, you know, I had my parents there to kind of help coach me through, you know, uh, managing my medications, my diet, my doctor's appointment. And when I went off to college for four years, I must admit, I did not do what I was supposed to do. So that entire four years, my blood sugars were uncontrolled. By the time I graduated, I remember going to the doctor to see my endocrinologist, and she said to me, Precious, we see a change in your kidney function. You know, Mm -hmm. I was thinking, oh, okay, that's not a big deal. I feel fine. And she explained to me that this is serious. So from there, I was like, okay, I got to do better. I need to manage my numbers. But it was too late. So literally, like a year after they noticed the glitch in my kidney function, I was diagnosed with in-stage renal disease and had to start dialysis. So that was a wow. a, a shocker for me. You know, That's I was caught of the because here I am. You know, I started my new career, graduated college, uh, started a family. And you're telling me that I have to alter my life to do dialysis. So I didn't understand the dialysis process. I didn't understand what dialysis was, what it is. I didn't even have enough knowledge to even ask for help and to, you know, become educated about what it is and how to manage my health. Because I was so depressed during that time because I had to stop working to do dialysis. So that altered my income for my household. It was just so much going on. So from I would say um 2010
1: to 2013 I was not in tune with my health at all. And I think a lot and of young people feel the same way. You know, I you know, I just think about I have a teenage son. Well, he's not a teenager anymore. He's 20. He's a man now. And he's in college and you know, when you're young, you just think that you're invincible and you know everything and you know, and mom, you're, you're always harping. I ask him, did you eat your, your green vegetables? I do. I asked my son this. He's like, oh, mom, oh, mom, oh, mom. But, you know, you know, I think this is a theme in general when you're young and you just think that you're invincible. So, you know, and then, too, you know, for those listeners that don't know, I'm a mom of a very medically complex little girl. So I think about her when you're sharing your story because I manage her health. I do everything for her. What is gonna happen when she's twenty? You know, is she gonna be able to manage all this and do the things that mom does? And I want her to be independent, but I'm thinking like, okay, precious, your story is igniting me to I need to kind of put 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 some pressure on her to be a little bit more independent and engaged in her own health, even as an eleven year old. So thank you for sharing sharing that. So you started out at in in your younger years as not activated and just really devastated from what I'm hearing when you got your diagnosis as far as being an end-stage renal disease. And so when you started doing dialysis, what happened? Was there something that happened that said, you know what, I have to take control of my
2: health? Yes, it did. And I'm going to go back just a little bit. Um, When I first started dialysis, I only had to do dialysis for four months and I received a kidney and a pancreas transplant. So I was excited about that. I'm thinking, yes, life is back on track. I could start back working full-time. Yes, everything is going to be perfectly fine. Seven months into the transplant, I go into rejection. So I had to restart dialysis. So that pushed me back even further with the depression and and just, you know, not being able to manage my... um, my chronic condition. So during that time, I was hospitalized. I know over thirty-four times. Whoa. And not at the hospital. Yes. I was not in tune, Desiree. I was really depressed, and I ignored the signs of depression. Mm-hmm. I was in denial that I was actually going through a challenge. I was mm-hmm. in, in so much denial. So I remember one day um waking up in the hospital. And I was like, you know what? I will not let kidney disease defeat me. I want to live. I'm too young yes. for this. I have a life ahead of me. I have family that loves me. I have friends. I have to do better. So I remember being released and going back to my dialysis unit. I had so many questions to ask um, the nephrologist, the healthcare staff. It's like overnight, I was an engaged patient.
1: So that's what, that was the change for me. That is awesome. So you took that energy and really poured that energy into the dialysis unit there with you. And so I know we've talked about, you know, the peer mentorship. We've talked about the peer mentorships just in general. I think that we need to kind of promote in all aspects of our healthcare community environments. And so have you seen where you have made an impact on patients with the peer mentorship program?
2: Oh, yes. Um, At my dialysis unit, I remember bringing this idea up to my social worker uh, like two years ago. Mm -hmm. And, and, And I expressed to him, you know, I remember when I first started, I was not in tune with my health. And I see that in some of our new patients at our dialysis facility. So I developed a uh, a mentorship program. It's an informal program called Let's Talk About It. And this is where myself and maybe like five other patients or maybe it's a one-on-one thing. We just talk about everything dialysis. I mean, if it's from, hey, medications, the different medicines we have to take, the different diets that we have to follow, managing your fluid intake you name it, we discuss it. But I always relate to them. I cannot give you medical advice and, you know, things like that. So this has been a big hit at our dialysis unit. Now, ESRD Network 14 are adopting this concept and they're trying to implement this uh, for all of the dialysis units across the state of Texas. Oh, wow. uh, Yeah, encourage them to uh,
1: create a mentorship program. So Well, let, let's hope that it doesn't just stop in Texas and it spreads mm-hmm. across this country because, you know, we know that the statistics show that end-stage renal disease is on the rise because a lot of times people don't, they don't get tested. They don't know that they have any type of renal dysfunction until it's too late. And so, you know, we need more of this peer mentorship because, you know, it's one thing to kind of get the advice from your providers and and we appreciate and trust their advice, but it feels good to have that, that conversation with someone that's been through it. Like you know the journey because you've walked the journey and you can share those experience and tips and maybe sometimes they just want to vent you know so you know I hope that we that you guys can spread this on a national level I I really really do so precious um, what are some I know you did a hand washing campaign if I'm, I remember you did a hand washing campaign at um in your unit can you tell us a little bit about that
2: yes I did a hand washing campaign and this. Uh, was developed because CMS would like to decrease the bloodstream infection rate among dialysis patients by 50% by the year 2023. Okay. So, um, Network 14, uh, we got together and, um, we thought about different ideas, our patient advisory council. How can we implement this? How can we develop this in dialysis unit? How can we show patients and teach staff at the same time that hand washing is very important and it's a big part of our health. So with this campaign, um what I did was I did a hand washing demonstration where the um network 14 and also the national patient and family engagement learning and action network which is a national kidney organization, we develop a poster that provides the steps of hand washing, the correct way to wash your hands. So I did a, a in-person demonstration for both the patients and the staff. And whenever I get the opportunity, when we have our lobby meetings, I always express the patients the importance of washing their hands and their dialysis access. And this has also been recognized by CMS. They are seeing the numbers. They have been tracking and documenting uh, the bloodstream infection rate since uh, 2016, and it is improving tremendously. And this is something that is very simple. Mm There's nothing hard to do. It's not too much work on a staff. It's not too much work on a patient. I mean, it was actually fun doing, because the patient was like, oh, okay. You know, that's how you wash your hands. I never mm-hmm. did that. So it was
1: something fun that we created. I uh, you know, I think too it's making an impact. You know, some people think, you know, it's those small wins that can spread to big wins. And so, you know, you think about hand washing, people like, Oh, like you said, oh that's simple. Everybody knows how to wash their hands, but not necessarily. Let me show you how. And so The fact that you guys are seeing the reduction in bloodstream infections, you know, tracking and having the data to support what you're doing is really important. And, you know, you know, we've worked on other CMS quality improvement projects and we know that the data supporting the having the data to support what you're doing is it makes it a greater impact. So that is amazing, Precious. I'm so happy that you guys are doing that. And you know what? You need to spread that on a national level, too. (laughs) <laughs> and not just in Texas.
2: <laughs> and that, that one is actually uh, spread on a national level with the oh, um, awesome. NPLC land. Yes, they are working like diligently to support this. Um, they're also working with the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, to also come up with other materials that we could kind of adopt and make mm-hmm. it more kidney-friendly You know, where it's pertaining to the ESRD population. So, yeah, they are taking this very seriously because the data has proven that this works. This simple thing, like you said, Desiree, washing your hands, it works.
1: See, that is awesome. And so for our podcast listeners out there, those patients that are listening and they think, you know, to get more engaged Your ideas, simple ideas, you guys can plant those seeds and watch the beautiful garden grow, progress. So for our podcast listeners, you guys, if those ideas are churning, reach out, reach out to your community partners, reach out to your hospital organizations and say, hey, I want to do this. Because look at what Precious is doing. Starting out with something simple that's catapulting to really, really, really impact our nation, which, you know, We all want to do that. So, Precious, I have another question for you. So if those patients that feel, I want to say, unmotivated, maybe intimidated, um, uninterested in their diagnosis, their health, what advice do you have them to become more engaged coming from experience?
2: Yes, coming from experience. My thing I would have to say is this is your health You are your best advocate for your health and your body. You know your body. And my thing is, um, I'm sure we all wanna live. I don't know anyone that wants to be sick or wants to be in a situation where they're sick, where they feel like they're not in control. So my thing is to ask questions. That is what your healthcare team is there for. Um be engaged, be involved. Um, learn as much as you can. Do research. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of my education, my patient education came from research. You know, reading about, uh, particular medications, reading about how to, uh, minimize my fluid intake, reading about, uh, dialysis re, renal diet and asking questions. So be involved. Don't be afraid to be engaged. I know sometimes when talking to healthcare professionals, it could be a bit intimidating because I was like that at first. I was intimidated to ask questions because I thought, oh, that's a stupid question. I don't want to look dumb. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if you don't ask that question, you, you know that. It could
1: be a very bad outcome. Last question. You know, we've worked on a national project together, Transforming Clinical Practice Initiative. And so I've gotten to work with you and and it's been a a great journey getting to know you and, and picking your brain of all things going. And so before we close, I just have to say two things. One is congratulations because number one, Precious received a kidney transplant recently, correct?
2: Yes, yes. And it's,
1: and how's that going?
2: It is going wonderful, Desiree. Um, I received a kidney transplant April uh, 29th of this year, which was like, exactly like a month and a couple of days ago. And the numbers, the creatine, which is the kidney function, it is improving by the day. Um, when I first received the transplant, I did have to do dialysis that next day. Um, then they said they needed to wake up the kidney, sort of say. So now everything is progressing along. I've graduated from going to transplant clinic from three times a week to two times a week. And then in a couple of weeks, I'll be going once a week and then once a month. So I'm excited about it. I feel much better. I have a lot more energy. And I'm looking forward to working with a transplant clinic with um, talking about end-stage renal disease, transplant, bloodstream infection rate. You name it, I'm ready to do it.
1: (laughs) So you know what? They've inherited an advocate already ready to get to work. So that is awesome. So with that, you know, again, congratulations on the kidney transplant for our listeners. Precious opened up um, CMS Quality Conference, which is a conference of all our national partners and payers and hospital organizations that meet once a year to just put our heads together, celebrate the wins and come up with new strategies. And Precious opened up the conference with a bang. So I'm going to clap it up. Thank you for doing that and being the voice of the patient. Is there any last words you have for our audience, Precious?
2: I would just like to say, um, as you stated earlier, Desiree, about um, end-stage renal disease, about the importance of getting yourself checked out and tested. End-stage renal disease is a silent killer. A lot of people are walking around with this disease and they are unaware of it. And they don't learn about it until it's too late. They don't learn about it until they are hospitalized and the doctors are saying, oh, we have to start emergency dialysis. Um, Get yourself checked out. You know, go visit a doctor annually. If kidney disease runs in your family, that's an even more reason why you should get tested for end-stage renal disease. Another thing I would like to say is don't be afraid. Be involved with your health care. Ask questions, work together with your healthcare care providers, work together as a team. Not only that, if, you know, get your family involved with your health as well. Because what I learned is when you have a team and a group who are all working together, you know, there is success. So get involved, be engaged. Remember, you are your best advocate.
1: Oh, I couldn't have said it better myself. That was a wonderful closing. So with that patient partner innovation community, we are grateful for our podcast listeners. And thank you, Precious McCowan, for being our guest today. And as always, you guys, be engaged. Follow the PP community online at atwhealth.com.